Hello and welcome to the Bungler Cricket Podcast. I'm Roshan. I'm back and this time with a World Cup preview looking ahead at Bangladesh's chances at the Men's 50 Over Cricket World Cup in India. Joining me, regular of the podcast, friend of the podcast, Tawhid Qureshi from the Sight Screen Cricket Journal. Tawhid, welcome back. Thanks, Roshan. Great to be on. Last time I saw you was in windy and rainy Chelmsford, so good to be sort of back in our own homes with the, you know the heating on and comfortable chairs and all the, all the kind of mod cons that we like uh, when discussing Bangladesh cricket. And um, yeah, it doesn't feel like a World Cup is round the corner. At the time of recording, it's about a week away. By the time this goes out, um, Bangladesh will be days away from their first World Cup game. And, you know, we've done a podcast about the off-field drama, which I'm sure is going to end up seeping into our conversation here. But let's look ahead at Bangladesh's chances at the Cricket World Cup. So 10 teams, each team will play each other once um, in a sort of a kind of league format. The top four will go to the semi-finals. And I think it's fair to say that in all of the previews, when everyone's doing their odds, Bangladesh don't list in amongst the favourites from this tournament. Then, you know, I don't think most pundits would consider them likely for the semi-finals. However, that is and has to be Bangladesh's ambition. We have to be ambitious. We have to be optimistic. We have to set a target. And so the BCB for a long time have said Bangladesh are going to aim for a semi-final berth. I think as a fan, that to me feels like a, an exciting, ambitious yet achievable target. Um, and so I guess the question over the next 20 or 30 minutes is what we're going to try and deep dive into is how do we achieve that? <laughs> and, uh, it's yeah. an impossible question to ask that with, but I mean... Go on, have a go. Have a go. Yeah, I mean, my answer would be it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy at all uh, for a number of reasons. So, yeah, I mean, as you as you mentioned up top, obviously the the Tamim uh, Shakib saga is bound to have some kind of impact on the team, and uh, you know everyone's going to be scrutinising uh, what Shakib does on the field, what he does off the field, for example. So, yeah, all of that uh, doesn't help the cause. Um, but yeah, beyond that, I would say Bangladesh in general haven't had a good twenty twenty three. Um, it's interesting because I, I would say, you know, if this World Cup, uh, you know, was was in January of this year, I think they'd stand a much better uh, a chance. Um, I think, you know, at the start of the year, you know, they'd just beaten India um, in that ODI series at home and things were generally looking pretty good and confidence felt pretty high. They were, you know, doing well in the, the World Cup Super League. I mean, they did finish joint second uh, on points with England anyway. But, yeah, generally the, the last sort of six to nine months haven't been great. Uh, didn't have a great Asia Cup, lost a uh, bilateral series against Afghanistan, didn't do very well against New Zealand uh, just in the last sort of couple of weeks or so. So, yeah, in, in terms of performances, they, they're not where you would want them to be going into a World Cup. Um, and I guess the other thing, yeah, you mentioned it there, just looking at the schedule and the format of the competition, it's very tough to to play like a nine-match round-robin, as you say, you know, every team is playing everyone else. I feel, you know, if, if there was a group stage scenario with more teams involved, you know, with, with I don't know, sort of four groups of four, for example, then then perhaps, you know, Bangladesh have, have a better chance there of, you know, 
pulling out sort of two, you know, a couple of wins and, you know, they're right in the frame sort of thing. But yeah, with, with, uh, with this sort of format, it's very, very tough uh, to be so consistent, I suppose, over nine games. I think what the format really does favour is those teams who are, you know, the stronger teams who, who are, are likely to be more uh, consistent over a, a nine-game stretch. And then, yeah, the other thing uh, that we were talking about just off air earlier in, in terms of the schedule, it's not easy in terms of travel, um, in terms of, you know, the... The, the way the games are, uh, are scheduled as well. You know, there's a lot of big fixtures um, at the start for Bangladesh. Okay, they've got Afghanistan in the first game. You know, they, you know, with the greatest respect to Afghanistan, I think Bangladesh will, you know, look to 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 that game as, as being a win. However, you know, we know that uh, they haven't got a good re- recent record against Afghanistan, so they can't be. Uh, too complacent there, but after that, there's some real big games. They've got England uh, on the 10th of October, and then three days later, they've got New Zealand, and then uh, just six days later, they've got India, followed by South Africa. So yeah, that that first kind of half of the it's tough, uh, isn't it? Schedule, yeah, it is tough, and I think that'll go a long way to determine kind of what? how uh, Bangladesh end up. Yeah, I think you're spot on that Afghanistan game at the start is um, one of the key ones. And we'll talk about key players and who to look out for in a moment. But in terms of strategically Bangladesh looking at that semi-final position, um, finishing in the top four, they'd need to finish ahead of six of the other teams. So effectively, you're looking at winning probably six games, maybe five if other results kind of go the other way. And so for me, I think there is incredible pressure from Bangladesh in the first game because Afghanistan are another side who are going to be going ambitiously, let's aim for a semi-final position. And so there is two points that they're taking in that game. And for Bangladesh to stand any chance of getting to the semi-finals, they need to take those two points against Afghanistan because if they don't do it there, they're going to be have to take them off the bigger teams and that's going to be far harder. And I think Afghanistan are going to be thinking exactly the same. And you're right, straight off the back of that Afghan game, England, India, New Zealand. I mean, three of the teams who I think are in pretty much everyone's books to book a semi-final position. So, you know, they'll be going, well, that's, they'll be looking at Bangladesh as a potential easy two points. So I think, I think, I think that Afghanistan game is going to be crucial and not an easy fixture. And, you know, Afghanistan beat Bangladesh in their own backyard. I know we got good wins against them in, you know, the Asia Cup, but, but Afghanistan will be going into, into that game confident. And they also, that's so deep and you know I think I remember seeing I think Rashid Khan coming out at number eight or nine against Bangladesh and in an ICC tournament where they will be deliberately creating sporting pitches for big runs that's slightly terrifying because if the middle overs don't go Bangladesh's way suddenly you could you could be looking at a 300 plus score which is quite intimidating to, 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 to chase um the only kind of advantage I think of looking through the schedules are I think Bangladesh travel a little bit less than the other teams. I think our second game is in Dharamsala, so that's where we'll play Afghanistan. It means that Bangladesh will have familiarity of the conditions. Obviously, I imagine they'll probably use a, a different pitch for the second game, but at least they won't be tired from travelling like England, or they won't be unfamiliar. And so if I'm being very ambitious here, I would say Bangladesh would look to go for two out of two as... I'm not saying it's an easy route, because that would be ridiculous of me, and I'm not saying that beating the current holders of the world cup is a is is an easy is an easy thing to do but if i was sat there in the bangladesh camp i'd be going we really need two out of two in those first games and that's that's 
I say I, I say outrageous things on this podcast, but if we are to make the semi-finals, we need to win those two games. Yeah, I mean, obviously you wanna you wanna start the uh, the tournament strongly. You certainly, yeah, wanna look to win your your first game. Um, and yeah, as you were saying there, uh, and as I was I was saying earlier, yeah, they don't have a a great recent record against Afghanistan. Yeah although they did beat them in the Asia Cup recently. Um, and you were talking about how deep Afghanistan back. That's not something that you can really say about Bangladesh at the moment, particularly... You know, I don't know, Nassim Ahmed's been a, ref- <laughs> a revelation of late, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. So maybe we do have a number eight batter, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he can certainly swing the bat. And I guess, I guess the other thing to sort of think think about is that actually you know 50 overs is quite a long time to bat particularly when you know so many of these players I suppose like for example the likes of Nassim Mohamed I would say probably has played much more T20 cricket than 50 over cricket so um, yeah you're right he can he can certainly hit hit a few boundaries but you want someone who can bat five, ten overs, really, uh, at that sort of uh, back end of the innings. Um, But as you were saying, yeah, if they can win two out of two, I mean, I'm always a little bit glass half empty, as as you well know. I mean, I'd be absolutely flabbergasted, but, you know, really, really pleased at the same time. I suppose, you know, one thing you could say, potentially, if, you know, playing England's second game, can they sort of catch England cold a little bit in terms of uh, England not quite getting into gear as yet? Uh, who knows? You know, if it's if it's a pitch that uh, plays to Bangladesh's strengths, i.e., uh, but you know that in itself is quite an interesting question, isn't it? What are Bangladesh's bowling strengths? Because traditionally we've always sort of thought as Bangladesh as being primarily a spin. Uh, focused attack but I think that has really changed over the last 12 months and I know you know we were going to sort of talk touch a little bit about the uh, the pace bowling unit which as we both know has really sort of come on sort of leaps and bounds over the last few years I would say but yeah I was doing a bit of uh stats research as 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 you know you well, do well, well let's dive into this let's like dive into it let's talk about the team and the squad and the ones to watch and actually i think the right thing to do is to to highlight not just one player but bangladesh's pace attack which a few years ago it was one of the big criticisms of bangladesh they couldn't play away from home they couldn't play on non-turning pitches um and they've gone away and they've 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 come out with this four five play a strong bowling attack who look formidable don't they and i'm we've watched them sort of nurture themselves it sort of started with tuscan ahmed and then we've had you know hassan mahmoud we've seen evad hussein who certainly won't be there you know sharifal they could have you know these under 19 players come through the, the ranks and be nurtured into the, the the first team um how excited about you seeing them these guys play at the world cup and for the, the rest of the world to see what they can do because I think this yeah. is going to catch people off guard, isn't it? This, people are expecting left arm spin, trial by spin. I don't think they're going to expect to see Tuscan Ahmed and Hassan Mahmoud swinging it both ways. Definitely, yeah. I'm I'm massively excited. I would say it's the most exciting uh, aspect of the team if you look at it as a whole. Like you say, you know that that pace group have have really kind of come on leaps and bounds. I mean, you were talking about. 
the island series at Chelmsford uh, at the top of the show there. And, you know, we both saw uh, Hassan Mahmoud close out that last uh, ODI. I think he was defending 10 runs off that loss uh, to, to win that, uh, or yeah, for Bangladesh to win that game uh, in that third ODI. He took two wickets, I think, in that last over and basically closed out the game. And um, yeah, he's he's just one of, like you say, a very exciting pack that they've got. And if you look at, you know, all of those, uh, as you say, there's five five quick bowlers that have been picked uh, in the squad. They've all, they're all slightly different, which I think is absolutely what you want. Uh, so, you know, you've got left arm options with Shorafor and and obviously Mustafir's. You've got the vast experience as well that, that Mustafir's has. Um, and, you know, then you've got just the leadership qualities, I say, of Tuscan and the way that he bowls that sort of natural uh, back of the length kind of heavy ball. Hassan Mahmoud, as we've we've already sort of spoken about, a bit more of a skiddier sort of bowler. But, you know, as we've said, he can bowl at the death as well. So, yeah, just some really good options, I'd say, across the board. And, yeah, as I was saying, done a bit of a... Stats. Let, let's deep dive so, into it, God. I love numbers. Come on, let's do it. Yeah, let's deep dive so basically, uh, what I found was so if you look over the last 12 month period uh, for ODIs uh, that Bangladesh have played, so 60% of wickets in all of the ODIs that they've played in the last 12 months have actually been taken by the fast bowlers. So I think that's, you know, that that in itself is quite, a, quite an interesting stat. And that's in remarkable that, as well because. We've had a fair few home series. We had England, we had Ireland, we had New Zealand. So it's not that's, like we've just been touring countries with green tops and playing fast bowlers. Absolutely. Bowls. They've been absolutely, doing that at home. Absolutely. That was exactly my second point that I was going to make. You took the words right out of my mouth. I think, I can't, yeah, I can't remember the exact number. I think they've played like 26 ODIs in the last uh, 12 months. I think about 15, 16 of those have been played at home. So yeah, like you say, the majority of those ODIs have been played at home. So also, it kind of dispels that myth of, you know, Bangladesh only producing kind of real sort of turning stodgy wickets as well, to a degree. Hmm. I I'm excited about our, our bowling attack. Slightly more worried about the batting. Um, it felt like Bangladesh only realised about three weeks from the World Cup that we needed to have a bit of depth to our squad. And it made me laugh when the New Zealand series uh, was used to, to test the, the, the bench strength effectively a week away from the, the, the squad been announced. Um, so obviously Tummy Mikbar's not going to be there. At the time of recording, um, we're recording this over the weekend. So I think at the time of recording, we haven't played England in the second World Cup match yet, but we did play Sri Lanka uh, where um, Litton Das and Tanzid Tamim um, put on a, a brilliant first wicket stand. I think that must be enough for them to now open at the World Cup. I can't see. I mean, unless there's a, there's a, there's a reason for Litton to bat further down the order, which he does sometimes. But I think with his experience, he really should take first ball. I can't see why why or who else you'd risk there. I also don't really want to see Bangladesh experimenting at the World Cup. I still want them to know what they're doing and have faith in the system, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I can't see, at this stage, I can't see a different opening pair than Litton and Tanzid. Um, yeah, you know, you can't, can't kind of take too much from a warm-up game where there's sort of 15 
players aside, you know, everyone's looking to... And, and they were playing, of, I think, on pretty much a flat road as well, by the look of it. Yeah, but that said, you know, putting on a 100-plus opening mm. stand has got... And, you know, winning the game so convincingly as well has got to be a, a morale boost. And, and really, that's what those kind of warm-up games are all about, really. But, yeah, going back to your point there, yeah, it is so disappointing that the planning... Um, has just been kind of all over the place, if you think about sort of the batting, you know, the opening partnership. And just really, I'd say even, I guess, yeah, maybe spots three, four, five, six are are a bit more settled. But yeah, you're absolutely right. The fact that going into the World Cup just weeks away, um, you know, there was so much uncertainty around who was going to open if, if Tamim wasn't going to be there. Because... You know, not not go, wishing to go over whole ground. You know, there was always a big chance that he wouldn't be there. Going back to you know what happened, uh, you know when he resigned or, or retired rather a few months ago. So mm. surely from that point onwards. But I would actually go back further than that, and I would say it's hugely disappointing for me that I mean I I mean this in a in a positive way that there. If you look at, you know, since 2019, Bangladesh really should have groomed someone that can that, that should have really displaced Tamim by now. I feel like they invested time in the wrong places. Uh, you know, Mohammed Na- uh, Naeem Sheikh looked like he was going to be the go-to opener. Animal Huck they sort of flirted with, but he seemed to have thrown away his international opportunities. And so it felt like they'd looked at some players... And then I'm not going to lie, I panicked when Shumar Sharka made it back in the squad because I thought there was every chance we'd be looking at a lit on Shumar opening pair. And I'm so glad. I think we all 15. did. Yeah. I think we all had that fear when he when he walked out in that second ODI against New Zealand the other week. I was like, oh, come on, surely this is this is not where we're yeah. headed. So I think there's a sense yeah. of relief. Tonson wasn't even in this in the squad prior to the Asia Cup. So what a couple of months he's had from going to being, you know, kind of probably on the fringes to now are hooping the batting at the World Cup. That's sort of an insane two months to have. Absolutely. It's a huge, a huge challenge. And, you know, at the same time, I you know, you can't expect too much from him. Um, but, you know, just looking at the rest of the batting there, like I said, it feels like the rest of that sort of top six, top seven is is relatively settled. So Shantu coming in at number three, arguably, I would say at the moment, Bangladesh's most dependable kind of ODI batter. And we, we you know, that's not something that we've agree. always said. But I'm also, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm reassured that he's also seemingly come back from injured and maintained the form. Like he's he got runs against New Zealand. I think there's always that worry that a player comes back and doesn't quite find the form. And when he was injured midway through the Asia Cup, at which point it was the top run getter in that tournament, I was like, oh man, yeah. have we have, have we lost lost the Shantai that we've grown to know and love yeah. across 2023? So you're right. I think number three, Shantai, I can't wait for the world to see what he's capable of. Um, and yeah. I think you're also spot on four, five, six, you know, Shaki, Pratel hit through the way, pretty Mushvik. Um, and that also then looking further down the order, Marmadullah has to now be back in the team, hasn't he? I think he's done enough to demonstrate going, I am your impact run player down the order uh, potentially but I guess it's you know where would you put him I mean I, I think Miraz has to play so then he basically comes in at number seven I would say Miraj and then you've got um the four four bowlers so you go three so paces depends. 
nothing maybe, Pre- presumably? Yeah, so basically, to get Mabadullah Riyadh in there, you would have to either pick him in, instead of a specialist spinner. So, you know, you've got another, you know, part. To, yeah, so you're lengthening the batting, but potentially, you know, that. I, I feel that would probably work, though, because if, if you have three paces, a specialist spinner, and then Mehdi, Mabadullah, and Shakib, you've got seven odd, odd bowling options, right? Have I. Have so I I think you've. I think you're counting to twelve there. So have I counted got... to twelve? <laughs> Eight, so... nine, ten. Oh yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah. Sorry, I've, so... I've given ourselves an extra player. <laughs> I mean, that would be brilliant. That would be. Superb. That would, I mean, that'd really help the bowling out. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Actually, so I oh, think basically, actually. yeah, Mamadullah comes in if you want to lengthen the batting. I mean, with Shakib and Miraj in the team, you've got potentially twenty overs there. Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, and then obviously free free quick. So yeah, it depends on yeah, it depends on the surfaces as well. It depends on what the wickets are playing like. Obviously, if you're playing uh, uh, on a on a strip that looks like it's going to turn, I would bring in either Nasum or uh, Mehdi Hassan, the other Mehdi. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the way it would look. I I would suggest, but the one sort of thing again that that kind of concerns me, worries me quite a lot, I suppose, is, and you know, this is applicable to all teams, I suppose, but it's that sort of strength in depth. So, for example, if uh, Najmul Hussain Chantu uh, tweaks a hamstring, which he has done very mm. recently, it's, it's not beyond the realms of possibility, then, you know, you're in all, you know, there's a massive headache in terms of, you know, how do you rejig, you know, how do you replace him? How do you rejig the batting order? Apparently, Shakib as well. Yeah, uh, well, injury. Yeah, carrying some sort of injury. So, again, there's, there's the, the, the thing that concerns me is if Bangladesh do pick up a couple of injuries, particularly, you know, in looking at that top seven, then it, it does kind of make things really, really difficult. Yeah, it's interesting, actually. I don't think Bangladesh have named travelling reserves either. And so there's the kind of slightly creative back of my mind outside chance that sees Tummy coming in halfway through this World Cup campaign. <laughs> I mean, it's going to take some I'm conversations. Gonna... It's going to take a number of dawats at the Prime Minister's house. It's going to take a lot of Facebook lives with Mashrafi Mortarza, but there's the there's always an outside chance that there's, the return I mean, of Tummy. Yeah, I would count. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would count nothing out at this stage. Everything is possible. I think we've 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 all seen we've seen it all in the last sort of week or so. So yeah. Who knows? Like I'm gonna put you on the spot here. If you had to pick the player to watch for Bangladesh this tournament, who would you go for? I think I know who you're gonna go for, but who who would you go for? In fact, I'm gonna do something else. I'm gonna say rule out Shakib yeah. Hassan because he's the player that everyone knows and expects and probably will perform. Let's take out Shakib from the equation. And from the other 14 players, yeah, who is the one to watch? Yeah, I mean, I was actually going to pick Shakib um, because, yeah, I think there are... I mean, I know it sounds weird. Obviously, Shakib is the best uh, player in the team in, in the sense of, you know, batting, bowling. Everyone knows what he can do. He's been there, done that. But, you know, what I what I feel in terms of... What I'm really looking for is, is uh, you know, someone from the younger crop really sort of stepping up and actually winning games because that's what you really need to do, really, to, to kind of win a World Cup is 
you know, consistently put in match-winning performances. So I suppose from the batting aspect, I would like to see Nazmul Sinchan to, you know, take that number three spot uh, by the scruff of the neck. In all likelihood, he's probably going to be batting quite early on in the pieces. It's likely yeah. that he's probably going to be batting in the power play. I, I would say there's a good chance of that happening. And, you know, potentially that should help him. You know, who, who doesn't want to play? Uh, who doesn't want to bat in the power play, right? Less, uh, less fielders uh, outside the circle. But, um, yeah, so I'd like to see him sort of really go big, uh, really dictate uh, the innings for for Bangladesh, and you know, just score score lots of runs, and uh, just provide that that kind of impetus, I suppose that that the team really uh, really needs. Because you know, if you look at their batting in general, it is it is inconsistent. We know that. Um, we know that their average kind of uh, total scores aren't as high as the other teams. But so, they've been losing four wickets inside a hundred runs. I saw a stat the other day which 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 showed that I think only one or two occasions this year where we've managed to hold on to three or more, you know, three wickets or so before we've hit hundred runs, which shows that our top order is really fragile at the moment. Exactly, which which often means that you know the guys in the middle, so the guys like are out there by the eighth, ninth over. Exactly, and essentially what they're doing is just a recovery repair job for like like you say for like 40 odd overs so you're not going to be able to play you know with the amount of freedom mm-hmm. and you know you're not going to be be able to play as expansively as as you could if you know you were no or one or two wickets down sort of thing so yeah that that certainly has has been an issue but yeah i'd like to see Sean to uh you know just just pile on the runs really number three and then I guess if I could pick someone else from from the bowling kind of uh, point of view, yeah, mentioned him before. I think Hassan Mahmoud. I really kind of like the look of him. Um, like like I say, we both saw him sort of up close at Chelmsford. He looks like he's just got a real sort of natural, effortless um, way uh, in 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 how he bowls. He, you know. He's so impressive at just keeping a calm, like almost a calm. His, his body language is so calm, and just being consistent with what he does regardless of what happens like and it, it does sometimes mean that he goes for runs but you know i think we saw during the age of cup like he was it was like he was complimented by the commentators even though he hadn't taken a wicket and gone for six joints just because of the way he sort of persisted and i think that you know when, when you have someone who's sort of calm in the field and good under pressure and, and all can also just get the ball in you know like he's an exciting bowler to have in the team i think Hassan Mohamed. and i think it you know it seems to pay off and i think i think you know most of the opponents Bangladesh are going to come up against haven't played against him. And I think that's going to play to his advantage, hopefully. Yeah. I'm going to talk to them as Tuscan. I think this could be his final act of his comeback, you know, four years after missing out on the World Cup. Bangladesh is like poetry. And so this could be the final chapter in his comeback story. And I'd love to see him, you know, in his first, incredibly, I can't believe it, his first World Cup. That's, that, that, I, I didn't realise he yeah. was a debutant to World Cup. That's insane. Um, But I, I you know, if this is the final chapter of his comeback story, I I, I can't wait to see him leading Bangladesh's bowling attack from the front and and you know really kind of think, showing what he can do on the world stage. So, yeah, I think those are three good players to watch: Shanto, Tuskin, and Hassan Mahmud. Pawid, as ever, it has been a joy to talk cricket with you. It's always a lot of fun to do, and a World Cup is on our doorstep. And here we go. 
It is, yeah. Let's uh, let's hope that, um, yeah, there's no more kind of 30-minute exposés uh, <laughs> on, on YouTube that, that we're looking at at sort of, you know, early hours of the morning sort of our time or whatever. Um, yeah, let's hope that, uh, you know, the, the the last warm up game goes well, and you know the team are in sort of good spirits. And uh, yeah, let's hope for the best. Absolutely, and thank you for listening to the Bungalow Cricket Podcast. Um, as ever, spread the word and um, join in the conversation on Twitter. And we will see you for the next one very soon. <laughs>